Gina Della from Pella. And let me tell you, 555 is back. Get up to five years no interest, five months no first payment, and 5% same-day order savings at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. See PellaWI.com. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Wallace. So tomorrow at this time, or around this time maybe, Joe Biden is going to outline, I'm reading the headline, outline a plan to curb the Delta variant as the cases grow. What is it? Uh, it's 300% more cases now than there were a year ago at this time. But it's going to be a six-pronged approach. Now, I think anything over three in people's eyes glaze over. Six-pronged approach. Really? Six? We need six things? We All right. Fair enough. We'll see what it is. I just, I just think anything over three, and people go, I don't, can't, I can't remember these things. I, I, I don't even know. I can't even recall this. No, I got duped. I was talking in crosstalk with Steve. The only time, because I, I fancy myself being somebody who, uh, you know what? I'm on. I might not know much about cars. I might not know much about that particular technological item, a new computer, things like that. I may not be an expert in those fields, but I, I believe that my, my BS meter is finely tuned. There are, there are things that I can pick up on in a salesperson trying to push some warranty on me that I don't really need or some sort of added incentive, something that will drive up the, the price of a, of a product or an item. I may not know much about the item itself or as much as that salesperson, but I know people and I can tell when I'm being duped except for that one time. It was, yeah, the one time I bought would you say a fancy television, big, big screen TV. And uh, yeah, they got me. I went for the warranty thing. I went for the surround sound thing, the sound bar at the bottom. At the time, a Blu-ray, this was like a decade, 11 years ago, whatever, you know, a, a Blu-ray player, DVD, all this stuff, all the, all the, all the trimmings, all the fixing. And I bought it all. And I used none of that stuff. And then you fast forward like 10 years later and I was giving it all away or give it to goodwill, whatever the case may be. It still sticks in my craw. It does. They got me that one time. I'm never going to let that happen again. You ever, you ever get got? Hmm? Have you ever been had, Kyle? You're savvy guy. You're already shaking your head. Really? Like there wasn't even one time where you, you, uh, and your wife or, or just you at some point were making a purchase. Of uh, something big, something small, but something significant, and you look back, going, ah, "I should have been savvier. I should have said no." They got me on that one. I guess it was the last vehicle that I purchased, but that would be about it. Okay. Um, it just had... where did they get you? How did they get you? Uh, I mean, the car was perfectly fine when I when I bought it. It just seemed to have maintenance issues, and oh. they were recurring. And it got to a point where I'm like, you know, this isn't even worth it anymore. So mm. had to. 
move away from it. Yeah, okay. So they got you and that the product itself maybe was not... Yeah, nothing ever with electronics or anything, okay. I find, so... All right. All I know is there are certain things, there are certain things in life that <clears throat> sticks in my craw. As we did yesterday, we will do it again today. We will devote a portion of the show here today before 3 o'clock to the anniversary of 9-11. There's a couple of things that we're going to get into. Um, the unity that this nation showed after 9-11 was unlike anything I'd ever seen before. And I'm going to kind of uh, investigate a little bit as to if we could ever get back to that point again. And uh, the travel element of 9-11 as well. We talk a lot of now about travel as it pertains to COVID. And when will, you, when will you fly again? Have you flown again? Do you feel safe? Do you feel secure flying again because of COVID? And, well, a lot of people were asking themselves that very same question in the, uh, in the weeks and the months maybe for some of you even in the years after the attacks on 9-11. And then we will have another look back as how that morning played out here on WTMJ. How that, how the initial reports played out with a couple of the voices that you listened to for many, many years here on WTMJ. But when we come back, a philosophical question for all of you, a philosophical question for all of you as it pertains to Every day, because I have a story to share, everyday activities, everyday, dare I say, jobs that men and women carry out that we pay no attention to until the jobs stop being done. Things that go unnoticed by most of society until something goes awry. That's next. Scott and for Jeff on WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Don't forget, we will be out at Summerfest again, doing the show tomorrow from noon to 3 inside our mobile studio, and again on Friday from noon to 3. Tomorrow, I can tell you this quick little teaser, tomorrow uh, at 107, we will be joined by the newest entry. I don't know how many there are, actually, come to think of it. It'll be the newest entry and the the biggest name to enter the Republican field of gubernatorial candidates. There's a big announcement coming tomorrow morning, and said candidate, post-announcement, will join us tomorrow at 107 here on the Wagnerless Show. I am Scott Warris. Okay, this is a story. But it's a story with a, well, with a morsel of, uh, of, a, of a revelation that reminds me that there are people that do things that impact our everyday lives that we take for granted, and there are jobs out there being done every day that we take for granted until the job isn't done. For weeks now, for weeks I have been battling with my uh, landlord and the ownership company that runs the complex where I live because for whatever reason, and there was an ownership change, so I think this is the reason, but I can't prove it. Our recycling has, has not been picked up in, so help me God, two months. Two months. So as you can imagine, while the staff at the complex 
will do what they can to make sure nothing really gets too out of hand. I went in there this morning. There is a mound of recyclables that are high above the edge or the uh, the rim, as it were, of the cart. All on the floor. It's it's disgusting. It's disgusting, quite frankly. And as PO'd as I am with management right now, which is a separate issue that I'm dealing with, I've called. I really have. I've called like three times. I realized as I was wading through this trash that is one of the jobs. Trash pickup, recycling pickup. That is one of the jobs that we take for granted. In fact, in fact, I dare say that those who handle waste disposal, recycling, the garbage men. Can I say that now? Is that not right? The garbage people. Those men and women who have those jobs, you who have those jobs, may very well be the most underrated people in the most underrated career that we have. Because you don't know it until something goes wrong. And is that not the sign of a valuable entity in that you never really know they're there, they go about their duties day in and day out, except when something goes wrong. You know a funny analogy? I was talking with one of our colleagues from ESPN last week. (laughs) When the Packers cut J.K. Scott, who their punter is, and they traded for, uh, who's the new guy? Ryan Bohorquez, or something like that. And he was trying to come up with a comp for that. Because a punter in the NFL, you don't notice the punter. You could say maybe offensive lineman. But even more so than that, the punter. You don't notice the punter ever. Until, unless, what? They don't do their job. Until an NFL punter or punter anywhere. Until that guy can't do the job well. Stops doing it at all. That's when you realize, oh, crud. I forgot the value of a punter. And he's talking, and I said, well, it's like those men and women who handle our our garbage. Until the service is disrupted for one reason or another, and the service just stops, until that happens, we don't appreciate that. We don't. And I, in my little anecdote there, my, my personal story of dealing with this inability to pick up the have realized again the value of that particular job and so i i bring it to you ladies and gentlemen name i mean name me a career field more overlooked more taken for granted than garbage pickup seriously than garbage pickup there are you could say and you would say jobs and professions that are more important than that but those professions you might you we know what the there are jobs and professions that are being done out there that we take for granted and i believe that garbage pickup 
is the most overlooked, most taken-for-granted profession out there. Top that one. I'm serious. I, I, I tried to think of, of, a, of, a, of a field, of a profession that is more overlooked than that one until something goes wrong. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 855-616-1620. Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Got a couple of texts that came in. Professions in society. You may, you may be doing one of these things. Call me. Tell me, Scott, I do blank. And I'll tell you what, if I stop doing blank, people are going to notice. But if I keep doing it, people don't even give me a second glance. There are professions out there, are there not? 855-616-1620 that nobody really thinks about until they're not being done. Your calls and your texts next. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. That may have hit on something here because there are quite a few texts coming in. It's amazing how many of the text messages that I've read so far are related in some way, shape, or form to waste, to refuse. The recycling, pickup. I'm putting garbage collection slash recycling collection in in the same category here. And um, now that I'm dealing with the lack of it for whatever reason... I realize the value. I've had to take my recycling to somebody. Mm, never mind. Sorry. Sorry, sorry. 855-616-1620. Acunet Mortgage. Talk and text line. So give me a profession that is uh, undervalued, maybe more, even more than uh, waste disposal. Uh, Kathy. All right, Kathy. What you got? Well, how about if you have a plumber that no longer exists and you have something worse than recyclables mm. or raw garbage in your house and you can't get rid of it without a plumber mm. it's going to take over your whole house to the point where <laughs> you know that is a, an undervalued job is it though is is well, is being a plumber be- how long is a plumber is it undervalued though like i i understand that nobody Nobody, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, like, I feel like people value plumbers. They recognize the value of, of people who can come in and clean out the, uh, the pipes when, uh, when, when, when trouble is there. Do we overlook plumbers? Do we? Well, they certainly complain about what they charge. And I, at some point, you're going to pay anything to get that plumber in there. <laughs> well, that's true. That's probably true. Thanks for the call, Kathy. Huh. All right. I don't know about that one. Hmm. AJ's in Milwaukee. All right, AJ. What is a what is an an underappreciated, overlooked profession that you would maybe say is on par with uh, garbage pickup? Well, I don't know if it's on par with garbage pickup because they're pretty gosh darn important. <laughs> but uh, I would say people who work in laboratories. When you go and you get your blood drawn or you get a swab to see if you have the flu or COVID or you get a biopsy done, it's not the doctors and nurses that are doing those tests. They're sending them to the lab, and all of the lab staff that are working 24 hours a day are the ones doing the tests. Mm. But it's the doctors who 
do the swab and it's the doctors who give you the results. And I don't think a lot of times people realize there's humans in between who are actually doing the test. Do people really think that it's the doctor? Like the doctor goes and, 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 and takes that swab and hands it off to a nurse maybe, and it's the doctor or the nurse that go and handle and, and do the testing and things like that. I bet, I bet people think that's how it works, that, that there isn't a middleman or a middlewoman doing the job. Yeah, there's lots of machines, but there's lots of humans, too. And it's, you know, the hundreds of thousands of tests for COVID that have been run just in Wisconsin this past year. It's, yeah. There's humans attached to every single one working mm-hmm. weekends, holidays, overtime. It's not just machines. Sure. All right. Thanks, AJ. But I think we appreciate that. I, I, don't, I don't know that, that anybody's overlooking the value of that. Like, I'm, I'm telling you, nobody, nobody even gives garbage people, garbage people, why can't I think of the term? Nobody even gives them a, a, a passing, no, it's just in one, you know what? You, you get upset at them when the truck is blocking the alley, right? Or you can't get out of your driveway because they're coming through, or you can't get out of your garage because they're, then you think of them, but you get mad. See, there's, I don't know. It's tough to top that, I think. We'll continue for a segment longer. If you're on the line, hang on. Hmm. Mike Spaulding is here from the Breaking News Center. What do you think, Mike? Have you been able to... Did you hear the question I'm asking? Yeah, no, garbage person, garbage picker-upper. Yeah, that's the number one, I think. I think you're right on board. Overlooked, unappreciated. If you've ever owned a home, anyone who does like blue-collar labor, whether it's a plumber or electrician or something like that, I think your appreciation skyrockets. But I think no matter where you live or whatever it is, you don't think of the garbage pickup program as something you need and want. Unless, like, your cans are askew, then you're like, why are the cans askew? Or if they miss a day, you're like, why did, you know, I just think it's a lot of grief and not a lot of, not a lot of return on your reward. Your reward is low. I it's feel the last like. time you thank your garbage men. Never, but I do wave. I don't know if that's anything. I try and put my carts in the correct position. Well, that's and, key. And, and I try and just make their life less difficult than it probably already is. Well, that's important, too. A lot of texts for those who work in the meatpacking industry. Making sure that the the stage from the slaughterhouse to the grocery store, making sure that everything is done properly, and what a lot of I'm kind of surprised a lot of votes for the meat packing industry, underappreciated. But I keep coming back to with trash collection. There's the phrase, sanitation workers. If they don't do the stuff, starts piling up. I mean, I don't think we really realize here in the 21st century what it was like before cities had organized trash collection. Do you know what people would do with their trash? They would literally throw it out their window, folks. They would throw it out their doors. They would throw it out the open. In fact, I got to take the break, but in fact, that I don't know if this is true, but I'm going to go with it because I like the way it sounds, Kyle. As legend has it, do you know why men, chivalry's not dead, do you know why men traditionally walk on the outside when escorting a lady down the street? Because back in the day, before trash collection was organized, people would throw garbage out their window. So when you're walking down... I say sidewalk, but whatever path they had right in front of these homes and in these big cities, the brownstones and 
compact apartment complexes, people would throw stuff out the window of the house, let's say, and the odds of it hitting the woman were not as high if she is on the inside. She's walking closest to the structure. That's why man, man, that's why men would walk on the outside with the lady because anything that would be thrown out the window into the curb onto the street was more likely to hit the guy than the gal. So, see? Bet you didn't know that, did you? Let's talk chivalry another time. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, here's a really good one. Commercial fire extinguisher inspection to make sure they're functioning properly. Completely unnoticed until you need one. Yeah, anything that could potentially cause the cause you to lose your life, that's a good one. That, as inconvenient as garbage pileup could be, that's actually a pretty good one there. That is. Hi, Jerry. Go ahead, Jerry West Alice. What you got? Appliance repair technician. Without us, you couldn't keep your food cold, you couldn't heat your food, and you definitely cannot clean your clothes. Um, and unfortunately, most people don't call us until something starts smelling. And it takes a few days to get someone like me to come out and fix it for you. Mm. So it makes your whole house reek until you can get me through the door. Mm. Yeah, so you're saying like broken fridge, broken uh, a broken. washing machine? Exactly, yes. Mm. Do people still call you, Jerry? Do people still call you, Jerry? I this is a, I heard somebody debating the other day. Do you get a new one of something? I think it was Stephen Jean this morning. Do you get a new one of something, or do you call and have something repaired? I feel like fewer and fewer people, Jerry, call to have an appliance repaired now, and they're just, eh, it's lifespan is over, let's get a new one. It all has to do with uh, what type of appliance you buy. You go out and you buy... Uh, like Steve Sofiti said, I believe this morning, he went out and spent $3,000 on a fridge. Well, most of the parts in there are six to $700 each. Mm-hmm. It's going to almost be in, more ex- cheap, um, expensive to send me out to fix it. If you're going and you're buying the lower-end stuff that still has the editors in it mm-hmm. and the stuff that they've been making for 30 years, it's a lot cheaper to have me come out and spend mm-hmm. $100, to keep an $800 piece of equipment running than it is to now have to replace that for eight, nine, a thousand dollars I remember my grandparents, when their vacuum broke, they would go and get their vacuum. Like, I, I vividly remember going with them to, like, the vacuum shop or something like that. And they brought it and dropped it off, and then they'd pick up the vacuum at the end of the week, and it would have a new belt placed in it or something like that. Or a sewing machine. I mean, I remember going with, with with them, and oh, the sewing machine is broken. We got to go and take it. I, I, I'd be curious to know how many people still do that versus you know just get a new one. Jerry, I'm glad that uh, you're still getting calls and you're still uh, thriving in this modern age where people just ah eh, just buy a new one. Money is no object. Danny's in West Dallas. Hi, Danny. Hey, how you doing? What you got? Give me something on par with trash collection, would you please? Well, okay, I I can't do that. I got to agree with, you know, every caller is definitely right. The one that nobody ever thinks about 
It's musicians. Musicians? The reason, yes. All the right. reason I say the reason I say is for a couple of reasons. Now, one, you know, there's always this stereotypical idea of what a musician is, you know, and they have a thousand jokes, you know, that pertain to that. I mean, one of my favorites was always the difference between a musician and a mutual fund is that a musician will, or a mutual fund will eventually mature and make some money. But I'm bummed. Okay, Danny, and, hang on, hang on, Danny. Now, hang on, hang on. You're telling me that a musician is as valuable as trash collectors when they're not doing their job? Aesthetically, yes. The reason I say that is because, okay, it was especially noticeable during COVID that everybody was complaining about how they couldn't go anywhere and so on and so forth. And when things finally opened up and I was able to get back to work, uh, I don't know how many hundreds of people would come up to me and just be like, oh, it's so great to have live music back. Oh, no, sure. And, it, it, you know, it, we really missed right. this. You know, it, so like but, I said, but Danny, it's an Danny, 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 Danny. <laughs> Look. I do radio. I love radio. I enjoy doing this as a profession, as a career. But this is not as important as trash collection. Oh, I'm, I'll never say it is. Okay. So, but okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. But musicians, God bless musicians. Musicians are not as important to society as trash collection. Of course not. You know, okay. And like I said, I, ne okay. I never thought it would be, okay. but. Okay, like I said, I got, as an aesthetic right. point. Okay, all right. Okay, Danny, thank you. I just... <laughs> I... All right, just a couple more, then we'll move on. I promise. Dan is in Wales. Hello, Dan. How you doing? All right, give me a profession. Uh, one quick thing. Sanitation technician. Oh, okay. Sanitation engineer I also got. There you go. There you go. Very good. <laughs> good. Anyway, my point is the people that are AIDS assistants in nursing homes and assisted living care, paid less than McDonald's, mm. turnover probably greater than McDonald's, with the responsibility for your loved one's lives, and horribly underpaid, under-respected, very, very tough position to be in. And... You do not realize, most people don't realize that until they have a loved one in an assisted living center or something where they are, they are, um, you know, at the mercy of those men and women around them, th th those caregivers. That, that's a pretty exactly. good one too, Dan. No, no, nobody thinks of that profession until they're in their worst moment. But up until that point, their loved ones who had been on their own in many cases are solely right. or in large part dependent upon those men and women that are walking those halls doing some of those jobs which are very unpleasant in a lot of ways and a lot of other people wouldn't want to do. It's contingent upon Correct. those men and women. Take I'm, I'm always impressed by caregivers because you need to... How can I say this? There's a, there, there is a deep... Uh, a, 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 a feeling of a commitment and love in a certain sense to what they do and the purpose for why they're doing it. I've seen it myself, unfortunately. Yeah. You are correct. There's some really great angels out there, 
and there's some that aren't, just like anything else. Yeah, right. But overall, underpaid, underrespected. Mm-hmm. It's a shame. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it. That's a good note on which to end, um, because yeah, that's a good one. And I think a lot of us, a lot of you out there, uh, know exactly the value of caregivers. All right, not bad, not bad. I appreciate it. What am I going to do about this recycling situation in my complex? I don't know. I'll keep you posted, though, if you care to learn about how it plays. I've called three times. Like, I've called for weeks, Kyle. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. That's a separate issue. Although somebody did bring up at the text line uh, landlords or uh, building supervisors because nobody ever says thank you. They just come to us when they have something to gripe about. Um, I guess I would be Exhibit A in that respect. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. A lot of votes for first responders as well. But I think that changed. We're going to talk at 9-11 next hour. That, that is something that changed from September 10th, 2001 to September 11th, 2001, is how we view, how we view first responders, how we view um, firefighters, uh, police, um, EMTs. That, that changed. My hope is, still is, that COVID, one of the silver linings that come of this horrific pandemic is that, not unlike 9-11, we will emerge in years to come with a greater appreciation for doctors, for nurses, for the frontline healthcare workers that have had to see just some horrific things pertaining specifically to, to COVID-19. Speaking of COVID here, this is a press release that has come out from Pottawatomie. I've not been to Pottawatomie since uh, a couple of years, since certainly pre-COVID. Pottawatomie Hotel and Casino will reinstitute its mask policy beginning tomorrow. The CEO and general manager saying, as we make a concerted effort to get back to pre-pandemic operations... We also recognize the gravity of the situation when it comes to the ongoing pandemic. Maintaining a smoke-free facility while temporarily reinstituting our universal mask policy mirrors other entertainment venues in the community. It'll help protect our guests, team members, other stakeholders, and their loved ones from contracting the virus. So guests at Potawatomi starting tomorrow will be required to wear a mask in most public spaces inside the hotel and casino, including the Northern Lights Theater. That, by the way, is opening up on the 21st of this month. Masks can be removed while dining in one of the property's restaurants. Team members have been required to wear since the beginning of June of 2020. Tomorrow, the six-pronged approach to uh, fighting back the variant will be unveiled by President Biden as well. Look, it's, uh, gosh, <laughs> I, I thought we were through it. I mean, not that it was over, but we all did. We all thought we had turned the, turned the corner. And you know what? It, 
it's something that uh, it's not going away yet. Got to do what you got to do. And to the texter from the 480 that says, COVID would go away if the media would stop obsessing about it. Is that tongue-in-cheek, or you think that's a legit thought? Is that a legit thought from somebody? Really? We're still doing that? We're still, we're still, make, we're still having that dance? COVID would go away if the media would stop obsessing about it. COVID would go... The virus... <laughs> that can't be... That better be... That better be tongue-in-cheek. God, I hope it's tongue-in-cheek. Look, if we had the power to stop talking about something and it would go away, well, in that case, let's stop talking about erratic driving in Milwaukee. Stop obsessing about erratic driving in Milwaukee. It'll go away. Stop talking about crime in Milwaukee. Stop talking about crime in Milwaukee and it'll go away. What else could we stop talking about? Um, hmm. Stop talking. Stop talking about. Uh, stop talking about abortion in America. Stop talking. It'll go away. You won't have dead babies if you stop. Okay. All right. We'll stop talking about that. Man, think of all the things. The power. God, I did not realize until we got that text right there. The power that comes. Maybe it's just noon. Maybe it's the power of Wagner. Maybe that's it. When I'm doing WTMJ nights, I don't have the power. But when you're behind the mic from noon to three. Sitting in for the veteran, Jeff Wagner. You have the power. Stop talking about COVID and it will go away. At least according to the 480 texter. Good to know. Ah, the power! Story over the weekend from Muskego. A parking enforcement vehicle stolen from the city of Milwaukee crashed into a Muskego squad car twice and damaged another vehicle during a chase that also involved New Berlin police. Really? How far are you going to get in one of those parking enforcement Jeeps? That's not exactly something that brings a lot of anonymity. (laughs) Hey, hey, look what I stole. What is it? Parking enforcement Jeep? What are you going to do? Go around and pretend to give people tickets or something like that? According to authorities, the Jeep uh, was used by a parking enforcement officer was taken early Saturday when the officer step, you know, stepped out of the Jeep to check on a violation. Sometime before 6.45, New Berlin police spot the vehicle on Moreland Road near the city's main commercial district off of National Avenue where the chase began. There was a short pursuit because that's what there is now. Everybody's running. Everybody's, their pursuits left and right. Can we go a day without having a pursuit? After a short pursuit, the vehicle crossed the city limits in the Muskego where police had set out stop sticks Device is designed to flatten the tires of a fleeing vehicle. I didn't realize it would be that tough to stop one of those little enforcement Jeeps. But the vehicle's tires remained intact. Ha-ha! It's not that easy to take it down. And the person drove out of sight briefly until the vehicle was spotted again, this time stopped in the parking lot of the Jets Convenience Center off of Moreland and Janesville. That's where they were confronted by police. The driver crashed into the pursuing squad car, squeezed between another car and the curb in a right turn lane at the intersection, sideswiping that vehicle, and again crashed into the same squad car. Now disabled, the car stopped, enabling police to arrest the driver who was not identified. Police used a taser to subdue the driver. This escalated quickly. The lone occupant, but other details, still not out there. You know what, though? You know what? If you ask the 480 texter, if we don't talk about this, never would have happened. 
Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Wallace. Every day this week, spending just a little time, and we'll do it here in the 1 o'clock hour, on uh, reflecting back on, on 20 years ago and reflecting back on how we changed as a nation, how we changed individually in the 20 years since September 11th of, of, of 2001, uh, tomorrow and Friday. Uh, we'll delve into uh, some of the images that you remember from that day. And, of course, on Friday I will ask my... Uh, uh, my, the, my question that I've asked, as long as I've been here, at least every year on the anniversary, the where were you when question. Yesterday we talked how safe do you feel? Feel safer? As safe? Less safe? More And um, talked about as well how how have you, those of you who lived through it, experienced it, remember it vividly, how have you gone about discussing it with young people. Maybe those who were too young to remember or those who really weren't at all born on September 11th, 2001. I want to dive into this today at 855-616-1620. One of the enduring images of that day and the subsequent days, if you remember, was the image of... Well, many, but Congress, you can still see it now, Congress on the steps of the Capitol singing together, unified, unity. I was watching last night, I came across on PBS Frontline, Frontline, right? Yeah. And they were having special 9-11 programming. And there were images of George W. Bush addressing Congress uh, a few weeks after 9-11. And he would deliver lines, and you would see every single person inside that chamber stand up and applaud. From Nancy Pelosi's to Joe Biden's to... Those on the right side as well. I mean, it, it, it was not divided in that way. But there they stood on the steps of the Capitol and saying, God bless America. And they demonstrated a unity that the nation had as well, that Americans had as well. Could that ever happen again? Do you think that being united to the degree that we were from our political leaders on down to us citizens, do you think we could ever be that united again? And is there anything that could unite us like that again? 855-616-1620 on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, maybe it's recency bias because of what we've been through the last 10 years. 
when it comes to political divisiveness and the chasm that just continues to grow, I think we would all agree. But I really doubt that we will ever have that type of united front in this country again. I really do. In fact, I'd go so far as to say, God forbid we are ever attacked in a way at all on par with 9-11. I don't know that we as a nation would come together in solidarity to the degree we did then. I think now our inclination, even if in the moment or in the moments right after something tragic, is to come together, but I think that's far more fleeting now than it was in 2001. I'm not saying 2001 was a simpler time in that regard. It wasn't that long ago. But I really have a difficult time picturing Congress on the steps of the Capitol singing, God bless America. I mean, really? Could, could that ever, could you ever see that happening again? Could you ever see the type of unity among citizens on par with what happened 20 years ago? And if so, if, if you can, tell me why. I'm open to it. I would love to, th- I would love to say, yeah, I think we, I think we would get back there again, but Maybe I'm just too, I don't know, too tarnished, (laughs) too tainted in terms of the lens through which I look based on the last seven, eight, nine, ten years or so and where we've gone. And I don't know. I really doubt that we would. So if you do think so, you can agree with me. That's fine. But if if you disagree, that's fine, too. What, what, What could unify a country? To that level. And if, God forbid, as I said, we would ever get attacked like that again, you really think we would show that type of united front? I don't. I don't. And I'm, I am I wish I felt differently. I'm just being honest with you. I'm not going to lie to y'all. I wish I felt differently. But I don't. 855-616-1620. Accunate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 855-616-1620. Your calls and your texts next. Scott Warris in for Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. 616 Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As you watch, as you listen to different vignettes and specials, documentaries about the attack, pay particular attention to examples of unity from that period of time in our country. And think to yourself, could we ever see that again? And if so, what would be the circumstances that would bring it about? I really doubt that we would. I really do. I don't want to think that. I don't. But I do. It 
It would not take long, my hunch. It would not take long for Congress to, while in the moment maybe show some unity, within a few hours, within a day or two of whatever the incident or whatever the situation would be, suddenly would realize where they have to go politically, and then you have that divide, and that would bring about the rhetoric. And I don't know. I'd like to think I'm wrong. Jeff is in Milwaukee. Jeff, what do you think? Could we ever be that united again? No, I think you're spot on. Unfortunately, I try to give all the media the proper... uh, I listen to CNN. I listen to all the different medias. And unfortunately, they only report on one side. And it really divides the country. And then Fox is kind of all over the map, too. And I just don't see how this is ever going to come back together. I just can't believe that one guy that was president prior did everything so wrong that news media has buried him like they did. And unfortunately, it divided the country even more. Our insurrection that I'm, I'm not necessarily a believer in, but they tore apart the country after the George Floyd horrible thing. And they did nothing to announce that type of activity. So I just don't ever see this ever wrapping back up together again. Um, the Mr. role... Said that sure. he was gonna, well, hang on. The, the the role of the media in the coverage, I'm trying to think back of the coverage of 9-11. And in the moment, thanks for the call, Jeff. Your, your phone's kind of in and out. I'm going to let you fly. Um, in the moment, obviously, that day covering the attacks, and I was in college at the time, so I, I was, uh, you know, I... I I wasn't as good at consuming media, consuming bias, discerning commentary. I just, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, in that mindset yet. So I personally cannot say, I remember September 12th and CNN said this and I flipped over to Fox and Fox said this and and, and they wouldn't show footage of that. I I can't bring that back because I was too young to, in in that respect, to, to comprehend and process that. Um, but I remember all the networks covering the attacks. Um, media plays a role. Look, I'm and I'm in the media, right? I love it when people blame the media and then I'm, I'm in the media. We're the media, people. We're part of it. We're here. But yeah, I'm not so naive as to think whatever fictional incident happens here for our discussion. That within a day or two, MSNBC would start to go this direction, and Fox would start to go that direction. Probably. Because they're indicative of the larger problem here, and that would be the lack of a unified front. Yeah, I definitely think that that would happen too. 855-616-1620, AccuNet Mortgage, talk and text line. Adam is on the south side. Adam, what do you think? Are are you with me in being skeptical, or do you think, no, you know what, we we would, we could come together again on that on that scale? I, I think we could come together under the worst of tragedies. I think, unfortunately, when you live in the kind of opulence that we do, um, you know, you you find things to bicker about that are less than significant. But but if some major event occurred that reduced us to our fundamental concerns um 
then all the silly things would be put aside and we'd come together. But so I, I hate to say it, but I don't think under positive circumstances we're going to come together. Only under something so tragic that everybody's reduced to fundamental concerns. Isn't that isn't that something too? You bring up a good point. As as I've asked all you know, as I've thought about it, and asking all of you to think about something that happens, something that happens that would bring us unified again. How many of us, how many of you out there, Adam and others, how many of you have thought of that something as a positive? Is it possible, here's a question, is it possible for the imaginary something to be positive? Does something positive so. bring people together in the first place? Or is it tragedy? Is it, is, is it the, um, the, the tragic uh, situation that, that yeah. unifies a nation? That's an interesting discussion. That, that's where you maybe, you know, paint me cynical, but I think it has to be the tragic. I don't think anything positive is going to do it. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate that. Uh, still something to think about there. Something to think about. Pete's in Waterford. Good afternoon, Pete. Hi. What oh, do you think? Yeah. What, what do you think, Peter? Could we ever be unified to that scale again? I don't think we will. Um, I think that, that you know, the Internet really plays a big role in things that people go to. Um, I think that most people are afraid of what could be put on the Internet about them. I, I don't see I, – I just see people looking to – to uh, bring other people down. My wife's a nurse, and a year ago they were dropping food off for her, and now they want to fire her if she doesn't, you know. Uh, yeah, look, I, so I, I, Pete, I, I agree with you. Thanks for the call, Pete. I'll let you fly here before the break. I, I agree because the 2001 Internet is social media. 2001, not what it is now. There are these variables. The overall media, social media, political divides. These are all things that I think, unfortunately, folks, flies in the face of attempts at unity. There's another, there's another example. And some of you have brought it up on the text line. There's another example that really gives me doubt as to whether or not, in tragedy, we could be as unified again as we were on 9-11. There's a very real-life example. It's staring us right in the face. 855-616-1620, AccuNet Mortgage, talk and text line. We continue after this on WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Mark in Kenosha. Hello, Mark. Good afternoon, Scott. Thanks for having me. Thanks for calling. Could we ever unify like that again, in your opinion? I, I want to say that we can, um, but I have my doubts. 
Um, and usually it, it's in times historically of, of tragedy, of loss, of danger, um, that we tend to unite against the common enemy, um, especially during 9-11 when we were uh, under attack from an outside uh, a source, and, and that really brought everyone together. But um, we're, we're currently under attack from a virus in this pandemic, and I can't think of anything that could cause greater damage to America or greater loss of American life than, than like the pandemic we're experiencing. And yet still we can't manage to, to bring it together, to come together, to, to care enough about our neighbors to make it through this. So I, I want to say that we can. We have before. Um, I just don't, uh, I don't know how likely it is if something that's this serious still can't, can't do it today. Mark, there have been over 650,000 Americans that have lost their life from the coronavirus, from COVID-19. And the biggest takeaway for me is how poorly we handled this as a, as an entity. Thanks for the call. The political divisiveness that has plagued the pandemic is something that, Scott, you're naive. Okay, fine. Call me naive. Because I never saw it coming. And obviously, none of us had lived through one of these before. I, I didn't even anticipate it. I didn't. I was caught off guard by all of it. At what point? I mean, maybe there was a day or a day and a half where we were united. Were we even then? Or from the minute that there was a shutdown, from the minute that a, a city or a governor or a, a city mayor or a state's governor or a president announced a particular policy, we we pushed back. And as the days went on, we got anxious, we got nervous, we got frustrated. And so maybe... Maybe just for a couple hours during COVID, early on, maybe the evening of March 11th. That's kind of when, in my mind, I, everything kind of started and things began shutting. Maybe for a couple of hours on March 11th of 2020, there was a sense of we're in this together, but it's been fleeting. It's been fleeting. And nothing, nothing related to the coronavirus has come even close, not even within any range of the unity we showed after 9-11 of 2001. There's other factors at play as well. Let's continue this because there's a couple of the things that I think play into the lack of unity that would come about again. I just don't think it happens. Yeah, I, I'm with all of you. I wish I had the optimism that some of you have had on the text line. I wish I felt differently, but I don't. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. You know, there, there's something, too, that would lead to what I believe a lack of unity, and that is a lack of trust in government, period. Both sides of the aisle. And uh, that was one of the things I was reminded, I was watching a special about post-9-11, and specifically the war in Iraq. The fact that that and weapons of mass destruction, and, and, and that mistake, that showed people who were, up until that point, still very much believing 
if this is what they say, this has got to be it, and this is what we've got to do. And that, that gave people, if nothing else, it gave them pause. It gave them reasons to doubt that even in, even in a seemingly unified moment, maybe, maybe, maybe we shouldn't be trusting the government as much as I used to. That's just another factor at play as well. Because whatever would happen after our imaginary situation, whatever government response came of it, regardless of what parties in power or things like that, there would be a distrust. There would be a distrust. Because yeah, I remember last time, we were unified last time, and look what happened. There's something else, and I alluded to this earlier this afternoon on the show. There's something else that happened after 9-11, and this was a good thing, okay? Enough of the negative, Scott. Let's talk about, and that is, we saw first responders differently. I'd like to think we've always appreciated them. We were talking about jobs you underappreciate before. We've always, to some degree, I think, appreciated the police, firefighters, EMTs, those, and Steve Scafidi uses this phrase, and I think it's great, those who see us or deal with us on our worst day. It's our worst day, and that's usually the time we interact with first responders. But 9-11 changed how America viewed first responders. It changed how we viewed firefighters and police, and EMTs, and those men and women that, as the phrase goes, and accurately so, rush to trouble, rush into the storm, as it were, rush into the burning building as others are trying to go out. How many stories were told as people were walking and running down the stairs of the Trade Center, they would pass firefighters working their way up the the Trade Center. We have... Since then, a different, a better, a different appreciation for those men and those women, for that industry. And that is one of the silver linings that came from a truly horrific period in our history. 855-616-1620, Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you are a first responder, if you were a first responder... If you have a loved one that is or was a first responder, I wanted to open it up to you especially and reflect on the way your job changed post 9-11. Maybe it's something in the logistical or fundamental way you carry out your, your duties. If you're a fire, if you were a firefighter, you are a firefighter. Were there certain tactical things that changed post-9-11? Was your industry made better because of the tragic lessons that were learned in 9-11? But more broadly than that, how how did you feel post-9-11 in terms of your relationship with, with citizens? Is that too is that too specific a question or is that too vague a question maybe for others? I thought 
I'd love to hear from some of you, and you can be relatives or loved ones of, of those who work in those fields, because from somebody who's not in that profession, from the outside looking in, I appreciated them differently on 9-11 than I did on 9-10. And did you feel that appreciation? Things changed after that. Um, if you think back to that day, so 855-616-1620, Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, the profession, the career path, maybe, maybe some of you post 9-11 entered those career fields because of what you saw those men and women do on that day in the varying roles that they had. But that changed. That changed. And like I said earlier as well, I hope, I sincerely hope that coming out of the pandemic, eventually, we view the frontline healthcare workers in a different way. We appreciate the frontline healthcare workers more than we did before March 11th of 2020. For example, Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620. How did you view, how do you view first responders now compared to then? And if you're in that profession, open up a little bit for me, if you would, please, and explain and detail how you have been perceived now versus then. I'd be curious to hear it from both ends of the spectrum. 855-616-1620, Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. Your calls and your texts as we continue on WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It's funny that we have uh, the conversation now a lot about, have you, when's the last time you've flown? Are you flying yet? Have you traveled yet? Have you done this? Have you done that? There's another question. There is another similarity between 2021 September and, and uh, 2001 September because the trepidation that Americans had as to whether or not they were going to fly, as to whether or not they were going to travel, how soon would they be able to travel once the skies were were opened up again? Remember the thoughts that you had going, I don't know how, how safe I feel. I, you know what, I'll drive. Or we'll take a we'll take a coach bus on the trip instead. We, we're not apt to fly. And if you're like me, I was trying to remember before, how soon after 9-11 I flew and... Uh, Sorry, but I, I I can't I can't recall. I don't remember. But I do remember being on the flight, like sitting in the airplane, and you get on the airplane and you you looked around. You did we we did that. We all did that. You looked around at who else was on the plane. Oh, is that a suspicious person over there? I don't know. They're looking a little suspicious. I don't know. That's just something we did. Something I remember doing as well. In driving through downtown Chicago, and I did more of that uh, about 20 years ago than I do now, I would look at the downtown skyline, 
I'm just being honest. I would look at the downtown skyline and I would I would look up at the uh the Sears Tower, or the Willis Tower or whatever it's called now. It was the Sears Tower then. And I couldn't help but look up at that or the Hancock building and have the thought as morbid as it may be of man, imagine an airplane flying into that building and i think a lot of other people had that that sentiment or, or, or you look you couldn't help but have that thought you couldn't help for those of you maybe who were living elsewhere or maybe right here in downtown milwaukee all we had was the u.s bank building in terms of the tallest building in the in the city and the uh, skyline has changed now or maybe you were living somewhere else. Maybe you were in New York. New York obviously would be a, a different situation. But maybe you were in Los Angeles or another big city and you have your own skyscraper, your own tallest building in the downtown at the time. And you couldn't help but look up at that building and say, my God, an airplane flew into that tower. You, it was just a natural inclination. And over time, obviously, over time, he started flying again. Over time, those thoughts maybe weren't as pertinent in your mind as they were that day or in the days after. Over time, you drive through the downtown area. I just use Chicago because it's in our backyard. You drive through, and eh, those thoughts really don't enter your mind anymore. But it took a while. Admit it, it, it took a while. Maybe every once in a while, even now, the thought enters your mind. But it's just the reality of the situation. But we were talking or thinking earlier about the travel industry itself. And I couldn't recall how long it took, like I said, before I was flying again. 855-616-1620. How long did it take before you got in a plane again? Can I just ask that real quick? We're just limited here before the top of the hour. Because... Once the skies were opened up again, you couldn't help but think about it. 262 Texter says, For about a year after 9-11, every time I flew into all the D.C. area airports, we were forced to stay seated for the last 30 minutes of the flight. Why? So as to reduce... Lost it here. So as to uh, reduce... The this is great. This text line jumping around on me. Oh, this is this is very convenient. So as to reduce dramatic pause, the chance that someone might try to rush into the cockpit. So think about that. See, I, I didn't know that. Thirty minutes. Thirty minutes before your landing, everybody's got to sit. Hmm. Hmm. Nine two zero says I'm a third generation volunteer firefighter. And my father has told me that the terrorism part of my training wasn't even a thought when he was in training before 9-11. We had to go through a Homeland Security course to even get our state certification. Okay, that goes back to what we were talking about before, about the, the training that goes on. Unbeknownst to me, I'm not in the business, obviously. The training that goes on behind the scenes now versus pre-9-11. I can only imagine some of the things that the men and women have to prepare for. I mean, you, you pretty much have to prepare for everything when you're becoming a first responder. But a little different after 9-11. The list of everything grew. 
I flew, a texter says, to New York City approximately a year later to visit a family member with an 11-year-old who was very reluctant to get into the taxi cab driven by a Middle Eastern gentleman. But I convinced the 11-year-old that everything would be okay. Mm. People had those thoughts, and you didn't want to have them. And over time, I'd like to think that those have changed, but we were so psychologically scarred from the images of that tragic day, and it manifested itself in so many ways. We could spend a a whole show talking about the different thoughts and the crazy ideas and the crazy thoughts that went through our mind based on the simple something we saw or someone we saw in those days right after. Yeah, somebody says, I flew often for work both before and soon after 9-11. I remember all the National Guard troops patrolling the airport terminals, large automatic weapons. Yeah, that'll get your attention real fast. No doubt about it. I appreciate some of those thoughts, some of those memories. And like I said yesterday, it's important that every day, in some way, shape, or form, this week especially, we just reflect back on, on different on different ways that we were changed, on different well, on different factors that are still at play in some ways in our in our psyche. And we will continue doing that all week long here on WTMJ. When we come back, also every day this week, sharing a memory from a familiar voice on the radio station 20 years later. Coming up next, a pair of voices. In fact, in fact, it's the pair of voices that were in this room that were on the air the morning that the Trade Center was attacked. They reflect and they remember in just a moment. You'll hear it on WTMJ. Scott Warrison for Jeff Wagner. And um, with you all week. We'll be out at Summerfest doing the show tomorrow and Friday from Summerfest from noon to 3. And each day this week as well. Hearing from some of the voices that were on these airwaves behind this microphone in this room on the day that we were attacked 20 years ago. It'll be 20 years this coming Saturday. And for many of you, and I'm one of these people, by the way, many of us, I should say then, many of us, we we followed those events through the voices of our then morning show, Wisconsin's Morning News at the time, was co-hosted by John Jagler and John Belmont. John Jagler and John Belmont, they reflect on how they watched and shared the developments out of New York City on September 11, 2001. In 16 years at WTMJ, I literally said breaking news thousands of times. This was not just a breaking news story, but probably the biggest story we would ever be covering. Guys, excuse me a second. Jim, I'm sorry, I got to interrupt here. We got a big breaking story out of New York. Okay, started out. It was a normal Tuesday morning. The late Jim Irwin was on the air with his sports commentary. John, we got a big story breaking in New York. The 737 has crashed into the World Trade Center. Things quickly escalated from there. There is a gaping hole right now, and thick black smoke with flames is pouring out. I kept my eye on the TV, and from my time in New York, was able to orient listeners on what was happening. 
happening where? Thank goodness we had John Belmont there from New York who knew the groundwork, knew what the World Trade Center was, knew the lay of the land. The north building at the World Trade Center in New York is gone. It has collapsed. This is more horrific than any special effects you've seen in films. And I was concerned. I knew how many thousands of people worked there and could only imagine what the death toll would be. I think what gets lost is the total fear, the actual terror that it was, as we did not know what was going to happen next. We got another plane crash, guys. This is uh, from Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh. Large plane crashes in western Pennsylvania. I recall John and I talked about how this must be terrorism. They want you to feel insecure in your own home. They want you well, to it's wonder. Working. That is, I mean, it's that, working. Charlie, it's something for me. And again, just from over the years, I think the most satisfying thing has been just how many people trusted the station. I'm proud of the coverage that we did that day. And we were on almost every radio in Milwaukee that day. We tried to, to provide as much information as we could and, and tried to make it local to how it affected us locally here in Milwaukee and in Wisconsin. And, and I think we did a good job of that. The state capital, the Wisconsin state capital, has actually been shut down, locked down. If you would like to hear the remembrances of not just John Jagler and John Belmont, but other voices here on WTMJ that day, like Charlie Sykes, um, our very own Jeff Wagner, obviously, certainly, and others, and our full coverage of the 20th anniversary of September 11th, you can simply text the word REMEMBER to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line 855-616-1620. Text the word REMEMBER to 855-616-1620. We have all these vignettes laid out there as well as our ongoing coverage throughout the week right here on WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Wallace. Okay. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, I do a show called WTMJ Nights, 6 to 9, when there's not sports. There's a lot of sports, I know. But when there isn't, I got a show. Some time ago, I came across this trailer for the movie Pig. <laughs> and on the evening program, uh, we have followed the... It's Nicolas Cage. I can't believe I'm doing this again, but I have to because of what I just heard during the news break. It's Nicolas Cage, who's a truffle farmer. I don't know. But he has a pig that can find the truffles. A truffle pig. Which brought some of the most bizarre lines ever to the theater. If you have not, just go watch the trailer. You will not regret it. Well, maybe. But you will be left in a odd, bizarre haze. Watch the trailer. Just go YouTube pig trailer. Nicolas Cage. Because it'll bring you gems like this. I'm looking for a truffle pig. Who has my pig? You are totally cherry picking this movie, and I. Oh, no, just, 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 okay, hold, you finished your thing. Hold on a second. <laughs> I gotta because we don't. I mean, some people don't listen to them. Uh, yeah. So we're making fun of it because you know. Who has my pig? You get gems like that <laughs> from Nicolas Cage, who has a reputation for taking on any rule that is, you know. Hey, hey really Nick bad movie. Read this script. I'll do it. <laughs> you haven't read it yet. I don't care. I'll do it. He does. That, that's his reputation. He always has a job, though. And the trailer pig is one of the most bizarre trailers ever. Well, I finally, because Matt Miller came on from on Milwaukee and said it was the best movie of the year. 
When I heard that, I said, okay, I'll go see the movie Pig. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, I went to see Pig a couple of weeks back, and I have never walked. I Trust me when I say, I've never walked out of a movie theater more perplexed, feeling more empty on the inside than I did when I walked in. I've never felt that more than when I saw Pig. Who has my pig? With Nicolas Cage. So... That is all in my past until, until about seven and a half minutes ago when during the news break, Melissa says, I watched Pig over the weekend and I loved it. <laughs> what? No, I, I what? you're How? completely wrong. I, I rarely agree with Matt Miller. I I will say that. You're throwing Matt under the no, bus. No, usually I don't agree with you know his what he says about movies, but this movie I actually liked, and I will preface it with the, I don't like Nicolas Cage. I'm looking for a truffle pig. But it's not just about the pig. I think the the bigger like synopsis of the movie is that he's a fallen top chef from Portland and he's down on his luck. He kind of lives in this cabin. This pig is all he, all he has. And this pig does help him find these glorious truffles that top chefs in Portland want. They're very pricey and they pay top dollar for it. Um, and, and he ends up getting beat up, whatever the pig gets mm-hmm. stolen. Long story short, I mean, well, I won't tell the end of the movie, but I, I, I did like the movie. Long, I, long story short, who has my is the purpose and the, <laughs> no. the the point of the movie. It left me, and I don't. We, we can talk about the movie now. It's been out. Yeah. If nobody's seen it, then whatever. It, 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 that, that's on you. I'm not doing a spoiler alert thing. I have never left the theater more empty inside. What? That's, no. That's the second time you've used this word, no. empty. What, just, what do you mean by that? Everybody loses like, in the movie. You, 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 oh, you, so you felt something. It's, everybody you, you So not nothing. everybody wins. You know, not every is, movie has look, a good ending. And, and I'm, I'm actually, Happy I'm okay ending. with that. I don't mind a movie where there's a twist at the end. I don't mind the movie where the hero or the perceived hero Maybe dies at the end. That's okay. Not everything has to have a bow on it and everybody runs off and uh, in, into the sunset holding hands. And yet, I walked out of there going, what, what am I to take from this? It, it, it's, it's loss. No, I like Maybe that's movie. what I'm to take. Everybody loses. I was really glad at the end of the movie that Nicolas Cage actually bathed because throughout the entire movie, it looked like he had not bathed in his entire life. But... Into the movie is sad. You hope that he finds the pig. It sounds like you experienced what was meant to be experienced in the movie. Yeah. Okay, but Melissa, you were you were uplifted at the end. No, I wasn't uplifted. Just found value in, no, I in, found in, value in the theme. In oh. the cinematic experience of, no of this film. I and I've seen you know I've tried to watch a lot of Nicolas Cage movies and I just don't like you know he's, uh, he's like so, breathy and like Academy he, Award winner Nicolas Cage by the way. What? So this wasn't a Moonstruck movie. This and, was cinema. This was oh, high cinema. film. Oh, <laughs> kind of thing. I did. Yeah. Well, I did okay. use that word. If it this was, was a movie. Meant- it's meant to be a... Well, it's not meant to make you feel good. It's meant to make no. you feel something. Well, I felt something, all right. <laughs> Who has my pig? <laughs> <laughs> where, where does this... Who has my pig? Where does this rank on all-time great movie moments? <laughs> Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. There's no place like home. Come on, give me a famous movie quote. If you build it, they, they will come. come. I'm going to use that one. <laughs> Who has my pig? Right up there with all of them. Oh, I was I was I was left empty. I I was lesser. Were you empty going in? No. 
<laughs> no, I was going in? I was quite full. Oh, okay, going in? Okay. No, I don't. I just I walked. I have never. This is probably you know leading people to go see the you movie. You realize, now. yeah, people are going to be going to rent this movie now. I have never walked out of a theater or finished watching any movie, theater or at home or whatever. I have never left a movie more. What the blank is going on? I feel I feel sad. I feel worse. Like what did I achieve by seeing yes, that? Yes, I, yeah. I I walked out kind of depressed. Actually, I don't want to leave a movie depressed. I want to be able to leave the movie having been entertained. Okay, so did you see the movie Nomadland? That one left me feeling sad at the end. I wasn't uh, happy. I don't think I've seen that one. Okay, so that one will, might make you feel the same way. Yes, he did win an Oscar. Mitch, it's true. He's, well, yeah, he Leaving wanted, Las Vegas. Yeah, no, that and, was... And then he also did Moonstruck with Cher, so that was... Adaptation. Adaptation. But he didn't win Oscars for no, that. He won it for Leaving Las Vegas, but that was in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. It's been a while. It's been a while. And he did those National Treasure movies, I believe, that weren't really that great. <laughs> that left Melissa feeling empty. <laughs> what movie have you left feeling lesser of a person than you walked in? Oh. I like I say, pig is, and there's not not even a close second. Uh, what was that one? Star- Maybe Godzilla Star Wars versus movie King Kong. Was like a Star Wars movie like three years ago that was three hours long, and that one I, I felt empty. I was the, like, Ugh. oh, didn't you leave? I did. The, the, <laughs> yeah. You left that. It was it that or the Avengers that you left? Oh, like it was halfway the Avengers. Through? Yeah, it might have been the Avengers. Oh, I, 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 just, I, I it's literally it's out of it's oh, out of yeah. my head so far because I oh. I couldn't take it. Right. Lived home. <laughs> the movie that left you feeling lesser than when you walked in. 855-616-1620. We go to be entertained. I guess I never realized how much I go to the movies when I do go infrequently, albeit. I never realized how much I go in wanting to leave at least feeling closure maybe that's what i wanted maybe i wanted closure i didn't get closure i don't know i clearly have been scarred for life from pig i'm looking for a truffle pig oh what a film what a flick back for more here's wtmj's jeff wagner Maybe I just need to go to more movies. This is possible, maybe. Somebody said that movies that leave you feeling terrible. Requiem for a Dream. Kyle, you're the you're the artistic one in the room. You're the film expert in the room. You say, uh, you felt empty. Are you, are you familiar with that film? No. Yeah, it's about basically like the dangers of narcotics and all the different types of drugs out there and addiction. And it follows those themes. And yeah, it's not very, it's pretty grim. Huh. It's one thing to walk out. I've done that topic before. Uh, it's another thing to just leave the movie going, what, what? What? What did I just watch? Bob's in Brookfield. Hello, Bob. Yeah, we just, uh, when my wife and I were dating, uh, she's my wife now. After I took her to this movie, I don't know why we're still dating, uh, and she married me. Fritz the Cat. In the, uh, it could have been 69, early 70s. 72. Absolutely terrible. It was absolutely terrible. 
Well, yeah, here's we the got thing. Up and walked out after 20 minutes. <laughs> it was, I, it was so, I, I, I looked it, it, it up. So I looked it up, Bob, because I, I, I had never heard of it. I looked it up. Um, Fritz the Cat, which is raising my eyebrows, Fritz the Cat was an animated movie, and the Motion Picture Association of America gave the film an X rating, making it the first American animated film to receive an X rating. How about it? Historic. Well, hey, I was, hey, I thought I was going to get lucky that night. Not okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you did, Bob. You did luck out because she married you. She married him. <laughs> why did she? I wanted to. He dropped up. I wanted to ask why did she? You took her to see that, and she continued the relationship, huh? Okay. Begs another question: How many American animated films have received an X rating? Is that an entire genre? X-rated animated films in America? I don't know about animated films, but uh, yeah, wasn't that a th- that was sort of like the rating before R-rated movies, or was it the NC-17, something like that? I can't remember exactly how it all worked out in film back then, but... Hmm. So was it a simpler time back then? I don't know. Maybe not. Huh. The English Patient. Longest three... Longest three hours of my life. But it's one thing to have a long movie. It's another thing to have a movie just so bad that you leave and you walk out. I, I get that. It's different, though, to, to sit through the movie. Like the, the movie Pig. I never thought I'd walk out. I, I, that thought never crossed my mind. I just I was curious to see where is this going? How will this wrap up? And it... Never really did for me. That's why I said I felt incomplete. Maybe empty is the word I use, but it, I felt incomplete at the end. Like I said, I, I don't mind if the if if the main character, the protagonist, dies at the end, or 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 the the hero uh, uh, dies on the deathbed. It's okay. Or there's some sort of a whoa last minute. Didn't see that one coming. I'm okay with all that stuff, but I I just. I don't know. And maybe, Kyle, you, you were right when you said, then it was a successful movie because look how it made you feel. It, it seems to have stuck with you. I'm looking for a truffle pig. That sticks with me. <laughs> and it brought us these great gems. Who has my pig? Great gems that will live on in infamy with all the great movie lines of history. Who has my pig? Right up there with the greats. Like Nicolas Cage. Maybe not.